23. All right, Mark 11:23 says, "Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him." So, I heard lots of little wise comments earlier. What what did you say, Jill? I heard you say something. Everything focused on the verses before it and the verses after it. Mm-hmm. Very little Very focused on that verse itself. Yes. yes. Anybody else had anything else they wanted to add? Kathy? Kathy. We, we can't, I mean, we want to be faithful, but we can't just go around throwing mountains into the ocean willy-nilly. That would be chaos. It would throw everything out of balance. Mm-hmm. Truth. True. So true, was, true. Was that hyperbole? Was can't be that, right? Yeah, the, the casting be of literal. a mountain into the sea <laughs> is extremely impossible. But yet, that's the point of it all. Yeah. Having faith, we have faith in a God of the impossible. Mm-hmm. Because right before that, um, let me find the verse. Right, that's 23, right? Mm-hmm. So right before 23, number 22 says... If somebody has it, read it. Jesus replied to them, have faith in God. There. To me, that is like, we can't skip that verse, have faith in God. So what were some of the observations that you had from that? One, Susie, real quick. So here he's telling them to have faith. Right. And he's saying about the mountains being, you know, cast into the sea. Well, they had just seen the fig tree the day before, and now it's all shriveled up, and he cursed it. So it's like, wow, whatever he's saying is going on, you know? So if he says we can do it, we can probably do it? Yeah. So what words did you observe, or phrases, words or phrases, stood out to you? Believe. Believe. Will happen, will be done. No doubt in his heart. The other one I saw was truly, because I know when it starts Mm. like that, truly, then we know that, hey, pay attention, this is really the truth. If I tell you truly, then it means it's really the truth. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Well, it was like Kathy was saying, it's like, you can't just, you know, be shuffling things around and, you know, make it, this mind, it's the message, no shilling, shouting, it shall be done. No what? What? No shuffling or shilly shallying. Oh, shilly shallying. Really <laughs> I gotta look up that word. Are you speaking Hebrew or Greek? Okay. Dilly dallying. Yeah. So we kind of talked a little bit about some application, but is there any more application that you guys can think of? How you know it couldn't possibly be just. It, oh, yeah, something else I said it will be done. Yeah. yeah. Um, any application that you see this? Have faith in God. Having faith. I don't need the lights, girlfriend. I just need the fans. Can I use the lights? Oh, yeah. Just... Get them fans going. <laughs> well, that one's not on. The fan. The that one's over there. Okay. Sorry. 
This, this, it's wired. Really. I thought maybe some tall guy. <laughs> Get on your chair, Carla. You know how they can be really tall. Because it's tall with a stick. I think Jill said it, but I, I really felt like, um, you know, this is something that I went back to verse 12 and read it from verse 12 through verse 26. So let me go back to that. And that's when he first, so if you kind of go a little bit before that, you know, they had the triumphal entry. He had the donkey, he rode in. Then the people are all, you know, Hosanna in the highest. And then it says, just before the fig tree stuff, it says, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything. And I often think to myself, I wonder what he was thinking about that shilly-shally stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But since it was late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. So he had been staying at Lazarus' house in Bethany, so they went back to Bethany, um, and he didn't say anything. And probably smart, you know? Maybe he went back to pray and say, Lord, look at this, you know? What should we do about this, Lord? I don't know what he was thinking, but I know he probably saw that and was thinking, goodness. So the next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Um, I kind of want to preface something. I I think it was Corley maybe said to me, you know, you just, you and Kim both just seem to have the background knowledge. And I said to her, "Uh, okay, I don't have any background knowledge that I don't research. You know, so anything I tell you, it's not that I've been to any kind of seminary or I'm a, I'm a student. I'm only a student of the Bible and I go to like teachers that I trust. So I go to commentaries that I trust. I go to teachers that I trust. And, and like the Calvary community in Phoenix, I used to go to church there. And they've got a huge resource library. So I go to places like that, and I listen to what people I trust say, and then I look in commentaries. So one of the things, um, and I think it was the Calvary pastor from Albuquerque. His name is Skip. Heitzig. Heitzig. And um, he was saying, because I was thinking, well, that seems kind of harsh, you know, that he's, it wasn't even the season for the figs. But what he said was these figs are, trees are around the area, and that they have um, kind of a little, he said a harbinger, which made me think of that, mm. the book, The Harbinger. And kind of, so kind of this little pre-warning that, hey, figs are coming in the summer. This was springtime. Figs are coming in the summer. And so when he got there, there was nothing on the tree but just the leaves. There was no harbinger of small little edible fruits that say the figs are coming. There was nothing on the tree. So his disciples heard him say this. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer 
for all the nations, but you have made it into a den of robbers. So I imagine when he went back to Bethany, he did pray about it. And he did ask the Lord, you know, can this go on? Should this go on? And I'm sure that I know that he followed what the Lord had said. And he is allowed because he is the son of God and that's his father's house. So he is allowed to have that authority to do that. The chief priest and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at, at his teachings. When evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, when evening came, Jesus said his disciples went out into the city in the morning. And, and I would imagine maybe they didn't go all the way back to Bethany. I think the Mount of Olives is close. Maybe they all went camping up there and they slept up there. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the root. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree has, you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, and I'm imagining he's looking at the Mount of Olives, yeah. if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whoever, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Yes. So I'm I kind of get in that, that here he's drawing this conclusion of he's thrown over the tables in the temple and he's looking at the fig tree and he's seen the lack of fruit, right? But then um, that whole mountain and that impossibility and talking about faith and forgiveness to me shows a picture of you can never be too far from God. No. Like no, there's agree. nothing impossible that God cannot, you know, address or handle in your life or change somebody that we think is unchangeable. Well, you know, when I first read this, it seemed like little disconnected mini lessons you know, that, that Jesus was giving, but I thought, kept thinking it has to be more. And I told Kim, there has to be a connection between them, that he's teaching them something. And this goes back to just doing a wee little bit of research, because I would not have known this had I not gone in and just did a little bit of research. And um, because I think when you take that verse 23 out of context, I mean, you can get in a whole lot of trouble and whole religions are built around that. You know, name it and claim it and receive it. And mm -hmm. I think that God does answer our prayers. And I think he does hear what we ask for. But I think that there are also, um, which we'll get into, kind of some things that we need to consider when we're praying. So what I found was the fig tree is a picture of Israel. And his disciples probably would have known this, that all in the Old Testament, that the fig tree was really represented Israel. And when you're looking at the outside and you're just seeing the leaves, um, you know, you, it's the appearance, it's the appearance of fruit bearing people, which I think the children of Israel probably had the appearance of being fruit bearing. Um, and I think that God really blessed them a lot, but there was actually no fruit on them. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those leaders in that community couldn't feed, didn't feed the people, didn't, didn't guide the people, didn't lead the people. Th that whole thing with the money changers and going through the um, temple, 
I think that that is a picture of the inside corruption and that what we saw in the fig tree was just a picture of what was happening on the inside. There was no fruit. So, I mean, and then the next morning, you know, they, they go down and they're like, wow, it really is dead. And um, so you know, I didn't just apply it to the children of Israel. I said, is this not true of the church today? Could this not be true of individuals? And I thought of, of course, me, because, you know, when you're figuring out the lesson, you put yourself in there. Is it me, Lord? Is it me? Did I do it? You know, but I think it's easy to maybe um, present yourself in one way when there really isn't any fruit. And eventually, you will dry up and die. You, the fruit only comes um, when you are, like you said, when you're that close to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it's abiding in him. And I think what they saw with the, with the leaders of that time, there was no fruit of repentance. There was no fruit of righteousness, and God's temple was not being treated as a house of prayer. And the pastor from Albuquerque that I was listening to, um, he, he talked about the den of, of thieves. And he said, you know, when you think about a den of thieves, you think about um, that that's a place where thieves feel comfortable. And, you know, he, he was applying it to a church. If you, if you are someone that... Um, is living a life of sin and you're going to church and you feel comfortable, then something's wrong at the church because there should be the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of, of um, repentance. You should feel that, you know, if you're at church. There shouldn't be, I can go and sin and I get a good, feel-good sermon and I walk away unchanged. You know, I, I would hope that we whatever we're hearing in our pulpits, it's drawing us to God and his righteousness that our lives can change. So one of my favorite, favorite pastors is my pastor here, at, he, right here. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> one of my other favorites is um, Mark Martin, who is the pastor of Calvary Community down in Phoenix. And I find him to be a tremendously gifted teacher. And um, so he described, thing, he described that whole fruit piece like this. He said, Jesus is looking for the fruit of repentance. And what does that mean? It's a radical change of the mind, an active, obedient response as a result of being exposed to God's word. See, I think when we're exposed to God's word, it should cause a change in us. Um, he said, it's, it's a changed life. A saved person doesn't love the sin. Um, doesn't accept the sin. There still may be sin in their lives. Like I can raise my hand and say, yes, there is. But if he, that, that saved person has new loves and new hates, is what he says. And he has the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Real fruit indicates God's real presence. So, you know, you want that real fruit in your life that indicates God's presence. And the way fruit is produced by having faith in God, real faith results in real fruit, and this comes by knowing God's will and surrendering to that. So I think when we go back to that verse 23, and it says, you know, it says to say to this, to this mountain, first of all, I don't think it's talking about a real mountain because I think the Mount of Olives is still there and clearly no disciple has thrown it into 
the Mediterranean Ocean, so or Mediterranean Sea. So I think he's talking just about obstacles, obstacles that are in our way that we can say to those things and believe in our hearts and it will come to pass. Okay, but, and there's lots of other verses that will back that up. Uh, Matthew 21, 22 says, whatever you ask in prayer, you receive and you can have it if you have faith. John 16, 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. Philippians 4, 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. So lots of verse backs that up. But even those, I think if we take them out of context, there we are, making that whole new church, that whole new religion. Because even those verses have to be taken in context of the whole word of God. I'm going to stop and breathe now. Anybody want to talk? I forgot already. <laughs> I know. Uh, Interrupt me. No. It was. I did have a thought when you were saying um, about it should change us. Yes. Right? And I was thinking, you know, probably if I was smarter about horticulture and all that, I would look at the process of fruit budding on a tree and producing as a miracle. Mm-hmm. Much the same as sometimes the things in us would take a miracle to change. But it is also the natural process. Mm-hmm. It is created to be that way. And so if we think of it in that light in our lives, in other people's lives, that God can do it. Even if we think it's miraculous, it's what he plans for us. It's why we go through the things that we go through. Oh, I know. I mean, I was one that walked around in the wilderness for 40 years. You know, trying to change something that I needed to just surrender. Mm-hmm. And anybody can do it. I went to the revival over there in Mary last night. Yeah. Oh, wow. And we're talking, there was a couple guys there that were from L.A., that like from the north side and the south side. These are gang members that right. are, when they're little kids, they're, their whole families are into it. And they're, right. I mean, these are from childhood, grown up in this stuff. And now they're adults, you know, um, and they're, they were raised to kill each other, and now they, they've uh, gone to God, and they're, they're changed. Brothers now. Yeah, they are. I mean, you would never see these two. They, right. they would have never in their life thought they would hug each other, and mm-hmm. now they're out doing ministry together. Wow. I mean, this is, this is just huge. I mean, they're, they're whole entire families. From moms, dads, brothers, sisters, they have cousins from the south side. They never get together because they're different. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's just huge. You just ask God and 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 choose His word, and and there you go. Well, and I think one thing that you said, Kim, about the process. There is a process when you think about the fruit. Okay, so He was looking for those little harbinger fruits that indicate fruit is coming. And so there is a process. And I think even in our, in our change, there has to be a process that we go through to change. I mean, I think sometimes it can happen miraculously. Bam, you're changed. I know for me it was a process. Well, and your process is going to be different than my process. And longer or slower. Yeah. God has made us. Yeah, I agree. I agree mm-hmm. completely. Well, I think like when you were talking about church, if you go to church and you know, things feeling good and stuff and then, you know, well, it's like 
So when you go and you are convicted by the message, you know what I mean, then that, that's a good thing. I mean, it's, it's sad that you're there, but still it's that you're going to acknowledge it and have a change. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is sad when, I think when you feel convicted, it is sad that it makes me sad that I disappointed or hurt the Lord or did something that made him feel sad. But yet there's a part of me that says, let me never, ever do that again. You know, I don't want to ever be that. Um, so when you go to that verse, to our verse, I don't think you can pray hard enough, pray long enough, um, chase away doubts, and the mountain's going to be gone. It, I think it comes back to that verse 22. It has to be that faith in God. And true faith in God is based on his word, and his word reveals his will to us. It's, it's um, not about getting man's will done. It's about getting God's will done. And sometimes I, I know for me, I don't always think that way. You know, I try to tell myself, oh, but maybe this isn't really God's will. You know, maybe, maybe this isn't really the direction we're supposed to go. And I think I'm getting better at seeking his direction first. But um, I think that has been a process instead of me just plowing forward. I mean, what do, you, what do you girls have to say about that one? Plowing forward is easy. Listening to God is hard. Yes. And being still. Yeah. And just that whole surrender piece. Um, John fifteen seven says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Okay, so there's kind of the, um, the condition right there. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what it is you wish and it will be done for you. But I think it has to be that I'm abiding in the Lord and his words are in me. And then I will ask the things that I know are his will. His will will be planted in me. Because God doesn't change his mind. No. He changes our heart. Yes. Yes. Um, James 4.3 says, ask and you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So, yeah, I've done that. So I think the deeper God's telling us, the deeper we are in his word, the more we know how to pray and ask correctly. Yes. Not, not this is what I want, but Lord, show me how to get through this. Yeah. Show me, you know guide me it's it's more we know better how to ask it once we're in and i got a couple of verses to that first john 5 14 yes and this is a confidence that we have in him thank that you if we ask anything according to his will yeah. he heareth us yes we know that he heareth and we know that we have the petition that we desired of him yes do you want to guess the next verse <laughs> you're just that good what was yeah. that one it was uh first john 14. First John 5, 5, 14 through 15, yeah. And this one is John 15, 7. Give me the first word. I'll give you the first word, if. <laughs> <laughs> if you remain in me, and I remain in you, shall be done unto you. Good night, girl. Good job. What is it? First John 15, 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, mm. ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. First so, John or John? John. The, John. the first one is First, first John. John. The and next one is John, John. 15, 7. Um, 
And James 4, 1 through 3 talks about asking with right motives. Yeah. Um, so those were the verses that I had pulled up in study. But um, I really kept seeing over and over again religion versus relationship. You kept seeing what? Religion versus relationship. Mm. And not walking around in that, that empty uh-huh. tomb that's unchanged. Yes. You know. Well, mountains aren't going to be moved in that empty tomb. No, I, I, to be honest, I sent something to Susie because we were talking about this, and I said, uh, you know, because I chew on it for a few days. I really don't put a pen on it until, like, right before I, you know, Thursday kind of thing, um, but I'll chew on it through the week. And I have a friend that is not doing well, and I look at it, and it's not Jill. I'm so. <laughs> doing wonderful. He's doing great. No, no speculation here. Um, who's not doing well. And I just, I look and I think, Lord, that's the mountain. And I, I feel like I don't have the faith that I should have. And I feel like that's what you're saying to me through this verse. Is, is my faith should trust that you can move the mountain. I don't have to understand how to get the mountain to move on its own. And that's part of the fruit that you're talking about, Lord, is the fruit out of my life comes in me believing that you could do anything and knowing um, all the promises that he's made for us, you know, that things are going to work out according to his plan. And then, you know, I go to that Garth Brooks song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayer. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) How many times we prayed for something that, Thank like, you, oh, Lord, Lord. That did not happen. No, he you know. Answered it. He just said no. Yeah. Well, it'll be yes, no, yes. or not now. Yes. If you look yeah. at if you look at Matthew seven eleven, it says, "If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him?" And I think that's where we get the no sometimes because it isn't a good gift for us. I mean, I don't think anyone could argue that nobody was abiding with the Lord more than Paul. And yet he asked for the thorn to be removed. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. Yeah. You know, because he wanted to grow Paul. He wanted to, he wanted Paul to be um, a man that could still do his will with the thorn. You know, Mm -hmm. I I don't know, but I know it was good. I know that God did the very best thing for Paul. Even though Paul probably wanted it to change. <laughs> well, right? in, in my circumstances, besides the wheelchair, I have another major health issue that I deal with on and off, on and off. And it's like, I've had, you know, had people in the past about my wheelchair say, oh, you just don't have enough faith. No, oh, come on. You know, you know how they do that to you. Oh, yes. So it's like, oh, yes. all right, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. You know, but nope, digged into the lies. But on this other issue, it, it was so, I mean, just uh, wrenching me and no joy, uh, you know. And it was like, not until when we went to the, to the conference, cry about what's going on. It's terrible. You know what I mean? It's awful, and, it, and it's not changed. And so, and then pick yourself up and believe what the Word says about you, you know, what God says about you, and then move, move forward. Because you pray, you pray that you know move this mountain, Lord, and it's like all right, just hanging on my back, you know. But so yeah, and it's just it's not his, it's not his um, desire, you know. So well, you know, when you look for the tie-in, I think 
it, there is such a good tie-in. It's like you yeah. said, if here's you have to have fruit in your life. It has to be real, and it comes with the presence of God. And with that fruit in the presence of God, you will be asking in my will, in my name, the direction I want to go. Um, in fact, Corley, the Lord was just saying something. I thought I wrote it down, but I must have just wrote it in my head. Something that um, the Lord just kind of brought to my mind today. And I just said, Lord, I'm so thankful that w what your word says stands even when my fear shakes. Mm -hmm. You know, even when I'm fearful and I'm not believing, it doesn't change you or your word or what you've said to me. You know, I can be that right. shaky-kneed Christian right. and your word's still going to stand. Right. And in my mind, Satan comes to lie to me and, and makes me doubt. You know, and I feel like that, the, you know, double-minded don't mind it Christian. So, you know, and he lies to me about that because I know what the truth is. And, so. and then kind of the last thing, you know, you, there has to be forgiveness in our lives because an unforgiving spirit will short circuit prayer. You can't go around with unforgiveness in your heart. You know, I don't think God can hear those prayers when there is unforgiveness in your heart. And I think it's kind of, I think you touched on a little bit that it's got so much in this verse, like relating to Israel. Uh, I think Jay Vernon McGee was the one that was talking about relating to Revelation in the church of Laodicea. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, where are people going to be standing in the church in that day? You know, um, just the, with the lack of fruit and just these empty tombs walking around, not really true living for God. Like, and then the scripture that talks about, you know, the, the branch will be cut off and thrown in to the fire. And it's like, there's Pastor so much in all of that. could probably take this, this, yeah. th this one little chapter and have 15 sermons yeah, on it. Yeah, right? Because so there's so many different directions. There's so many directions to yeah. go. And this was a really much harder one for me than I thought. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, there is a lot of things that could be tied into this. Mm -hmm. You did a good job. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> What else did you guys come up with? Something, anything else that I left unturned? I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, 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 that's God. not what God wants. Mm. What if God wants this child? What if it's, what if it's my friend's time to go? What if it's their time to go to heaven? Then they will be completely healed. Mm -hmm. Well, it's right. <laughs> if they're a believer. But I almost feel like it's hubris mm -hmm. for, for me to say, you know, no, God, you're going to heal this person right now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, well, maybe that's not what you want. So I'm kind of like, well, we don't where do I go with that? Yeah, I don't know. What were you going to say? Well, you know, when you said, my, my grace is sufficient for you, but then Paul goes on to say, most gladly then will I glory in my infirmities. Yes. The power of Christ will rest upon me. That's really hard. You it know, is really hard. I, you know, take what you don't have and praise God that you don't have it. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah. or, or what your have. problems are. Yeah, yeah whatever yeah. your problems are. Oh, God, I give it to you. I'm thankful for what I'm going through. That's mm -hmm. hard to say and mean it. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's because at li I can only really speak to my mindset because I'm not there. You know, I'm just not there. I want to be there where I can say, your will may not, my will may not line up with your will, Lord. And I want it to be your will. Sometimes I'm like dragging my feet. I want it to line up with your will, God. And then it's, let me be okay with that. Or just, <laughs> Lord, put it in my heart that it's okay. Whatever it is, it's okay. Well, in the Amplified, it's, it's in there. In accordance with God's will. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we have to, to pray, you know. I mean, like, you had told me about how you were feeling about your friend. And, and I thought to myself, you know, I, I want to pray, you know, for healing. But God knows our days from the womb. He knows our days. And I know that I will have every day he will give me. I will have every day that he has determined for me. And, um, you know, I just, ha I need to glorify him in that. Well, I feel this talks about a dual personality in there mm -hmm. that you really must believe it'll happen mm -hmm. and have no doubt. Mm -hmm. The have no doubt is my challenge. I do think that, I mean, I'm sure you all do, the, the more trials we go through, the easier it is to, you know, say I count it all joy in trial because we know that it looks like the huge mountain in, in the beginning. But we look back and we say, Lord, what, what beauty you made out of ashes, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I can imagine it not having gone that way. It was painful, it wasn't great. But I think that as we mature in Christ, we look at those things and we can have a more positive outlook to be able to share to others. And we can look back and, and see how history his story yeah. has worked in our lives to see, okay, I remember that. Mm -hmm. I mean, way back to Megan's penny, <laughs> um, you know, and how he was faithful. And so we can build upon that yeah. relationship. Build, yeah, absolutely. And that's what, that's, that's another direction. We could go in the whole pruning, mm -hmm. right? It hurts, pruning this hurts. saying that all sunshine makes a desert. And, and for somebody that's never gone through anything, they don't appreciate anything, they haven't grown, they haven't matured. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. They're going to die. Yeah. Um, it's what matures us. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, my friends, got anything else to say about that verse? Well, in just the, the very beginning, assuredly and solemnly, <laughs> you know, it's, like God's like it's, it's, it's just holding you like on your face. <laughs> Truly, look me oh, in the God, eyes. Dude, I know you're this. freaking out right now. <laughs> it's a, just a sweet promise from Him. Just trust me. Okay, then we will say Amen and. and Take some prayer requests if we don't have anything else to add. To that.